Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, BPJ number 62. That's Ba'ez Pnimi, joint Shear Shear number 62. Today we're going to talk about a very important part of marriage and life, which is boundaries. And it's part of the graph that was presented, where we last year to talk about, talked about the vertical line of self-esteem, grandiosity on the top, shame on the bottom, and health being in the middle of that, a balance. Now we're going to talk about the horizontal line, where the left side, one side is walled when you're very isolated and protected, but not connected. And then the other extreme, boundaryless, means that you have no borders whatsoever, and the health is in the middle. First, we're going to talk briefly about the basic boundaries of physical boundaries. Physical boundaries mean that when you're talking to somebody and they're, they, they're in your face, meaning they're right near you, uh, like in an uncomfortable way, you have a right to respect your bound, you know, to, to respect your boundaries and have them move further away from you or not to touch you. Or that is uh, boundaries physically. There's also sexual boundaries. Sexual boundaries mean also the right to, to, to decide when or how someone is allowed to touch you sexually, and even in marriage itself. Um, and and which, which means simply between a husband and a wife, that if the wife says, I'm uncomfortable, even while they're engaging in physical intimacy, or she feels some pain, or whatever the reason is, and she tells her husband, I need you to stop, even in marriage, makes no difference. He he needs to stop right away. Uh, and generally speaking, you have it both ways. The husband could pressure his wife sexually. Sometimes the wife could pressure the husband sexually. Um, but the idea being is, is if, you know, basically what happens a lot, and again, we talked about in previous shurim, just to make it clear, that it's encouraged that husbands and wives to keep their intimate life together, even if um, one does not have a strong desire for it, but to engage anyway, that's true, even if you're not in the mood, quote-unquote, that's also true. But when it hits a point where it's out of fear, then it's unhealthy. So if, 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 if a husband is pressuring in a real hard way, or even, you know, just in a in a subtle way, but in a pressurized way towards his wife with sexuality, she thinks to herself, if I don't meet his needs, I'm going to pay for it. So she makes a calculation. How much pain will she experience if she uh, refuses him? How much pain she would have if she gives in? And if that outweighs it, she'll give in. If Because the pain resulting in the refusal is usually more, so she'll give in. But that is destructive. That's called sex on demand, which is destructive. One, as a husband and wife, give to each other out of generosity, out of love. And even if, like we talked about before, where it it takes some effort because one is tired, that's also okay. That's fine. As long as the, the intent here is, is to strengthen the relationship. That's fine. That's good. But never, ever out of fear and never out of the feeling of being co- 
first. The Yesaid really is, is there's no way more effective in extinguishing and killing sexual desire in another person than demanding it on the queue and just demanding it. Don't do it. You may think you have a short-term gain where you pressure and out of fear uh, you demand, you know, and, and the other one demands it that and, and, and a wife gives in. In some cases, the, the husband gives in. Whatever the case may be that you're gaining, in reality, you are losing. And it is separating the two of you. And you're, and, and like, like we said, there's no more effective way in a killing sexual desire in another person than demanding it from them. You need to respect each other with their sexual boundaries. So that is physical boundaries, regular physical boundaries, sexual boundaries. Then we have what is the main Nakuda here, is the internal psychological boundary. What is that? That means there is a point, like you have a certain wall, where you end and the world begins, which means that you have a border, it is not a real heavy wall, you could go outward into the world, but you don't allow things to invade your inner self. Health is in the middle of that. Health is in the middle of that. So what is this? If you are, if you have that wall in a strong way, in the left side, extreme walled off, that means that you are protected, but you cannot connect. You see, a healthy balance is, is when you are connected to people, you can have a relationship with other people, but you're also protected at the same time with your inner self. If you're too open, then and there's very little boundaries, then everything that which is uh, people call it sometimes thin skin, everything pierces into your heart if you don't have any borders whatsoever. And for example, if someone tells you you're fat, you'll right away go on a diet. If someone says, hey, you're not funny, you'll read humor books. There's no protection between you and this outside stimulus. That is um, what we call unhealthy openness. A child would say, you know, you, you hurt my feelings. It would hurt my feelings that you would even think of that of me. You tell someone who said something not nice about you. It hurts my feelings that you would even think of that of me. But the grown-up will have a healthy border and say, think whatever you want about me. And if it's not true, it's not true. And I'm not, I'm dismissing it. Now, I may care that you're lying about me. Yeah, okay, that, that is something that does, you know, I am, does concern me. But I'm not taking it in as itself because it's not true. So that is... Uh, when you have open borders where everything pierces through and it's healthy to develop a sense of boundary where you're not affected in a negative way by what other people are saying or doing towards you. The other extreme is if you're walled off where you're so, it's the wall is so thick that you're, you're protected but not connected. And again, an open border means you're connected. Sorry, in, in a, in a, when you're walled off, you're protected but not connected. And when it's open, you're connected, but you're not protected. 
So the healthy way is, for example, like this. Let's say someone tells you you're an angry person. The healthy way to do it is to sift that information. Is it true that I'm an angry person or is it not true that I'm an angry person? Sometimes you'll know. You know for sure you're not. You dismiss it. You know for sure you are. Okay, you try to correct it. If you don't know, then you put it like on your shoulder. You consider it for a day or two. You may ask a very close friend that really truly loves you. Gather the data. Am I an angry person? And if it's true, you'll work on it. And if it's not true, then I don't care what the other person said. It's not true. End of story. You dismiss it. So, the, and uh, you know, so it, that is the idea. It may bother you that the other person is making up things about you or saying things that are not true about you, but you don't internalize it because it's false. That's a healthy boundary. And in order to protect your boundaries, often you have to imagine yourself. Imagine yourself like you have this wall on the outer boundary of yourself and that you feel safe and yet you feel good and you put that wall there. Nothing goes in unless you choose it to go in. You put the shield up when you need it and it will protect you. That's your boundary. Then when you do that, you have the ability, now I'm safe, so I can be open, I can be spacious, I can be curious, I can relax. And you're curious of things outside your border that you're willing to interact and it's healthy to interact with. So that is the idea. You know, um, Terence Real, who we're talking about, which has, he has fascinating things. Again, I have to study his work more because I think he really hit on many, many key points. In the early part when he used to do this, he imagined physically that there was a bubble around him, you know, like a, like a sort of a, a protective circle around him that people that you couldn't get in unless he chose to, a physical bubble. It was a visualization. And by doing that and practicing that, he became less reactive. So an example he gives of such a scenario is, is that one sister visits another sister. For a day, they don't see each other much. And the sister, one of them criticizes the other one. The other one gets upset. They fight, they cry, and they make up at the end. And went to therapy, learned these things, And next time around, the sister came and the other one started to criticize. She learned this and she said, thank you for your feedback. I'm going to consider it and I'll think about it. And that was the end. It diffused the situation. So again, usually when you are boundaryless, when you're too open, then that leads to something which he calls love-dependent or in a love addict, meaning what it is, is you're dependent on the stimulus that is coming your way. I am not good, I'm not healthy, unless someone, this person loves me, or approves of me, or otherwise I can't exist in a healthy way. That is really the unhealthy aspects. Terence Real gives an example in his own experience, especially early on. If he gave a lecture to, to, to 200 people, and it was clear that 190 loved it, and or maybe you know almost all of them. And there's one person that criticized. He'll zoom in on that person. 
But a boundary is, is um, it's, it's not going to affect me. I can learn from it if there's a truth to it. And if it's not true, I discard it. But it's not going to affect me. And the idea is, is that when you have no boundaries at all, you don't have a sense of self-being. And you you're say to yourself then, I have to change this person's mind so I can feel good. And you worry too much about what other people are thinking about you when you are have these open boundaries. But again, the other way, so 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 when you're bound have no boundaries, your boundary list, you'll be love dependent or even a love addict where you say, I cannot live, I cannot survive until this person loves me and accepts me. And the healthy thing is to put that wall, a healthy wall, and say, I don't need to define my self-worth based on whether the other person loves me or doesn't love me. On the other flip side of it, if you are walled off and you have that strong wall and you don't let anything in, then you become what they call love avoidant or dismissive. And the idea is, is to practice this. And this is the aside which he says that basically it's like this, that when you f- know that you have that strong wall where you don't let other people in, even when you know you need to, then what you do is you soften that wall. Soften that wall. You could imagine it in different ways where you it, it, the wall is still there, but it, you know when you choose to, it's easy to cross across the wall to the other side, into the world, into who you want to interact with, who you need to interact with. And if you have no boundaries and everything floods, then you imagine a firmer wall. And when you do this and you practice this, this helps greatly in you dealing with this concept of boundaries and using it in a healthy way. And in marriage, it works the same way. There is a oneness between a husband and wife. But if it's boundaryless completely, if it's completely open, which again, the secular world, they feel real love is when you're like totally no border whatsoever, not respecting or not like you are me and I am you and and whatever it is. That's not healthy either. That's love dependent. The true love is when you have an ish and an isha, they're individuals and they come together and they become one. Not that they have no identity at all. That doesn't work that way. Shalom is when you have a heskalalis, a combination of two opposite things or different things that come together for one purpose as one. So very sometimes in a, in a, in a, in a, in a um, marriage, there is a no boundaries and they hurt each other because they say whatever they want to each other without thinking, without paying attention to, to their, you know, to their feelings and to their inner world, and they don't respect it. That's why respect is very important, because respect is basically recognizing those healthy walls that need to be there in a happy, healthy marriage. But on the other side of it is, is if a husband-wife makes no difference, has a strong wall, they never communicate to their wives or husbands, they keep everything to themselves, 
They're very um, curt. They're very, um, sh- you know, short with their words. They don't explain things. They don't tell each other what's going on in their wa- in their lives. They don't allow each other to enter their own world. That's also very unhealthy. And we're going to talk more about this because it's such an important concept about how in marriage one needs to adapt and learn how to create healthy types of walls with one another where they respect each other's individuality and each other's privacy in certain areas. But at the same time, they share their inner worlds. This is not, we're not talking about keeping secrets, you know, uh, that you shouldn't keep. We talked about this in other shiurim, you need to be open about the important things that your wife needs to know, that your husband needs to know. But at the same time, if, for example, you, you, um, you, you went through a traumatic experience as a, as a child or as a teenager and it's over, it's not affecting your current life. If it is, then maybe there is a point to be open so that you can get help for it. But if it's not, it's just a painful memory. And uh, once, let's say, the wife or husband alluded to something that happened, but and, and you sense it, and they don't want to talk about it, then you don't push them, and you let them be. You protect that wall. You respect that wall. And when it comes to physical intimacy, ironically, this is a paradox, that when you respect each other's borders in a healthy way, then when you there is a physical and emotional intimacy in the bedroom, then they will allow themselves to open that wall and allow each other to connect in a most flowing, beautiful way. Because if they feel you respect me and when you will never hurt me and you will, because you protect, you don't go into my wall when it's harmful and you respect it and you love me for it and you don't look down at me when I need that certain individuality, then if they feel safe, and they feel safe about that, then when they're actually physically intimate, emotionally intimate, spiritually intimate, they will open those walls and share with each other and become one. And they will enjoy each other, frankly, sexually. They'll remove all those unhealthy inhibitions by giving fully to each other but paradoxically, that only happens if there is that respect as well and that respect for that healthy balance. So people would think if you have that wall that's there, even if it's a healthy wall, uh, but it's going to interfere with your oneness or your sexual pleasure, that's not true. The opposite is true. You will have an openness and great sexual pleasure and, and beautiful experiences in the bedroom if throughout the life with your husband, with your wife, you protect their wall when what needs to be protected, and you protect their privacy when it needs to be protected, and you respect their individuality, and you don't pressure them to share something that they're not ready yet to share. But at the same time, like I said, it's not healthy to keep secrets, and it's important to let each other in each other's world. It's the healthy balance that's in the middle in this chart between walled off on one extreme and having no boundaries on the other extreme. And we'll continue now, Bezaz Hashem soon, how the self-esteem line reacts with the with the boundaries line. Bezaz Hashem. Brochen